Hey, everybody, how are you? It's so good to see you all. Um, as you guys just heard, right, we asked the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us. Come and fill us. And this is what we need in this season, believing in God for revival. We need to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. With that context, I want you to turn your Bibles really quickly to John chapter 17. I'd like that you turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. And I want you to write this in the chat. I want you to put it in the comments right now. I want you to put pray up. Put pray up. Put pray up in the chats. Put pray up in the comments. And I want you to put another thing in the comments. I want you to put revival is coming. Write that down. Right? Revival is coming. Put that in the chats. Revival is coming. If water compels a seed to grow, then prayer compels the power of God to flow through the people of God. Let me say that again. If water compels a seed to grow, then prayer compels the power of God to move through the people of God. And so at the font, prayer is our priority. Prayer is our priority because we want to see revival. We want to see a move of God. We want to see God move. And if we're going to see God move, then we need to pray. Prayer precedes revival, brothers and sisters. Last week, we instigated um, a season of prayer at the font. We started with prayer because we want to see revival. We don't want, let me just back that up for a second. When I say that we want to see revival, what I'm saying to you is, is we're not looking for another cool church experience. We're not looking for another vibe. We're not looking for another kumbaya. We're not looking for, hey, you know what? I just had a good time when I came to church. Oh, I was blessed when I came to church. I want to see revival. I want to see God move. I want to see people healed. I want to see people transformed. I want to see people's lives changed. We want to see transformation. If you want to see revival, I want you to put in the chat right now, I want to see revival. I'm tired of church as usual. I'm tired of just showing up to church, going there, and leaving the same way. I want to see a demonstration of the power of God. If that's what you need, then we're going to need to pray. That's what we need, brothers and sisters. And so, we're going to ask you to join us in prayer right after this message. If you're gathering with us here at 1030 and you're attending with us live, I want to I want to ask you to come and join us in a time of prayer. You'll see the link below. I want you to join us in prayer to attend along with us that together we can come seeking a move of God. And if you miss this live gathering, you can go ahead and join us at Hangouts. We got, we got hangouts every weekday at 8 p.m. where you can come and join us. All we're doing in our hangouts right now is, is we're engaging in prayer. So turn your Bibles to, to John chapter 17. Um, b- before I do that, let me preface by saying this, that last week we talked about the postures and the principles of prayer. Uh, we talked about the posture and the principle to engage in effective prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16 tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We want to pray effective prayers. But if we're going to pray effectively, we have to come to God appropriately. If we want to pray effectively, we have to come to God correct. And what we talked about last week and I want to further expand on this today is we, we come to God as our father. 
That's our posture. We come to him as a son or a daughter of God. And that's what we want to do in this time as we unpack through this. In John chapter 17, we, we, we see three main parts to Jesus' public prayer. Jesus prays for himself in the first part. Jesus prays for his disciples. And then Jesus prays for all believers. But what I want to do today is, is I want us to focus on the first five verses where we see Jesus praying for himself to the Father. So if you can, turn to John chapter 17, verse 1. And this is what it says. Lord, speak to us in this time. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Let's pray very quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, as I come before you now, Father, breathe into me your word. Father, give us, Lord, fresh revelation. But, Father, we're asking for a a simple revelation that has in it profound implications that will lead to eternal transformation. Bless us in this time, Lord God, for each and every person who will hear the sound of my voice. May they be compelled by your spirit to be moved and to be transformed as we engage together as a community, as a family, Lord, seeking the outpouring of your Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your power. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. We just said that you come to God as a father. If there's anything I want to highlight from this uh, portion of scripture, I want the word for your attention today to be Father. I want your word for attention to be Father. And what I want to talk about in this particular message, in this homily, I want to talk about an identity crisis. I want to talk about an identity crisis because I believe that the crisis in prayer in the church is a product of the crisis of identity in the people of God in the church. Let me say that again. That the crisis of prayer is really a crisis of identity. The reason why our church is where it's at as a result of our passivity in prayer, our impotence in prayer, is a result of not knowing our identity. The difficulty with our posture of prayer, and by consequence, the power of prayer, is that for most of us, we come to God without knowing who we are. We come to God without having a cognizance of who we are in him. And yet the power of our prayers comes out of our knowing who we are. The power of your prayer comes out of you knowing who you are when you come before God. Notice I'm saying who you are. It's not who you need to become. It's not what you need to attain. 
because your status in God is not something that you can earn. Your status in God is not something that you can attain. It's not something that is meant for you to gain. Your status in God is based off of something that God has done. And so recall last week that when we talked about this, we said that when you come to God, you must come to God as your father. Notice what I said there, that you must come to God as your father. You don't just come to God as a father, but you come to God as your father, right? Remember when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter six, Jesus prefaces the scripture. He prefaces by saying this before he starts the prayer. He says, begin with this, pray our father who art in heaven. He's alluding to this reality that, 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 that sonship is not something that is exclusive to him because Jesus included himself with the disciples. Jesus didn't say my father or, or your father. He said our father, which by implication means that you have the privilege to enjoy the sonship that Christ enjoyed. Did you catch that? You have the privilege to enjoy the sonship that Christ has enjoyed. How? So look at John chapter one, verse 12. In John chapter one, verse 12, it says, but as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Did you catch that? To as many as have received him, to them he gave the right uh, my brothers and sisters, the right here uh, lexically refers to the word exousia in the scriptures. Exousia is the Greek word here for the word right, which speaks into power. That is that we have the ability to, to, to possess, the ability to possess this, this becoming of children, the status of being children of God. But the lexical range of this scripture stretches as far out as saying that you not only have the right, but that you have the power. You not only have the power, but that you have the authority, meaning you have the power of choice. You have the power of choice. You have the legal right to declare yourself a child of God. He's saying here in the scripture that you have authority to declare that you are a son of God that you have the authority to declare that you have a child of God. You have the power to declare. You have the right to declare that you are a child of God, meaning by having that authority, declaring that you are makes you a child of God. Now, some people may be asking this question. They may be saying, well, where did I get that right? Where did I get the right to become a child of God? or to declare myself to be a child of God. You got that right based off the scripture because God gave you that right. You have that right because God bestowed it upon you. He gave you the authority. And then you may be asking, by what manner then did God give this to me? Well, he says the operation of me transmitting my authority to you to give you the right to be called a child of God comes out of your believing in him. I want you to put in the chat, faith is the key. It's your faith in Jesus that's the key. It's the faith 
in Jesus that makes you a child of God. It's your faith in Jesus that certifies you as a child of God. It's your faith. It's your faith in Jesus Christ, meaning it's either you believe it or you don't. Did you catch that? Either you believe that you're a child of God or you don't believe that you're a child of God. Galatians chapter three, verse 26, Paul says, you are sons of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the key. Put that in the chat. Faith is the key. Faith is the access. Faith is the certification. You didn't earn being a child of God and you cannot earn being a child of God. Your heavenly father put that on you because of your faith in Jesus. Faith is the key. Can I just be real frank with you, my brothers and sisters? We need to stop praying bastard prayers. We need to stop praying orphan prayers. God has called you to be a child. You are a child of God. Either you believe you're a child of God or you don't believe you're a child of God. But don't come to God who's your father as a bastard. Don't come to God who's your father as an orphan as if you didn't have one. Can I say something else real quick? Uh, You see, when we believe, we got to make sure we believe in order. I want you to put in the chat real quick. Don't believe out of order. Don't believe in what God can do before believing in what God has already done. Believe in what God has already done before believing in what God can do. You cannot ask for God for healing and you don't believe that he, that you're his child. You can't ask God for deliverance and not believe that you're a child of God because God made you a child before you were sick. He made you a child before you were struggling. He made you a child before you dealt with what you dealt with. God had made you a child before. He's. You don't need to wait for God to do it. God has already done it and he did it in Jesus Christ. The first Adam who represented us has now been replaced By the last Adam, who's Jesus Christ, who represents us today, that he says that by belief in him and trusting in him and relying upon him, you are now a child of God. Either you believe it or you don't. You don't get to earn this. There's nothing else that you can do for it. It's either you believe it or you don't. Either you receive it or you don't. But if you choose not to receive it, then you choose to have an impotent prayer. If you choose not to receive the truth of your sonship in God, then you're choosing not to have power in your prayer. Because what you're saying is, is you don't believe in what God has already done. And if you don't believe in what God has already done, how then can you believe and what God can do. (laughs) He is your father. In John chapter three, verse one, John opens up in this, this profound discourse. And he says, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. He, he's reveling in, in the fact that he's a, he's a child of God and that we've been all been given this privilege yes. to be children of God. God's not going to move because you have eloquent words. 
God's not going to move because of your excessive vocabulary. He's not moving because you got spiritual insight and he's not moving because of your platform. He's not moving because of stuff that you did. God's going to move because you know who you are. See, you can't earn sonship. In the same way, my sons cannot earn being my sons. They have my DNA. And because they're my sons, their sonship is irrevocable. You see that? (laughs) This is for the person who comes to God and says, you know what? I sinned. And so I can't come to God because I sinned. If you say I can't come to God because I sinned, then the question is, are you a bastard or are you a son? (laughs) Are, Are you a slave or are you a child of God? Because your being a child of God is irrevocable. As we get into prayer, because I want what you're hearing. I want this to be imparted upon you right now. I want you to receive this right now. But I want you to see something. And I hope you catch it. I hope you catch it. When Jesus opens up the prayer here in John chapter 17, his first word here is Father. Okay. What Jesus is doing in this text is Jesus is teaching by doing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this in more detail next week. But, 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 but just pay attention here because there's one thing I want you to notice as we read through this scripture. I want you to notice this, okay? Check, check this real quick. It says this. Notice in verse one, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you should give, as you, as you should um as you should have, sorry, that he should give you eternal life to as many as you have given him. Sorry for that. I want you to notice something here. Catch it. Jesus opens his prayer in third person. But notice how Jesus closes his prayer. Verse four, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have sent and given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. Jesus is teaching them and revealing his divinity. But Jesus is showing us something else. That at the beginning of the prayer, he starts in third person. At the end of the introduction, he closes in first person. You see, as he's in prayer, he's reconciling Jesus, the man, to Christ, the Son of God. Humanity and divinity being brought into this hypostatic union. And yet, Jesus is revealing something here. That prayer is a manner of spiritual development. Prayer is not a phone call to God. We'll talk about that next week. Prayer is an activity of spiritual development. And what I pray for you as you engage in this, because I don't want to get into all that. What, what I pray for you to do as we're about to go into prayer, and you'll see the link below. 
as you're about to go into prayer, what I'm praying for you is this, is that that spirit begins to develop in you. That you shift from third person to first person. That in this time of prayer, what I'm believing that God's about to do is that God's about to impart the spirit of adoption upon you. Because what I'm praying and believing that God's about to do, God is about to pour out his spirit on you. He's about to reveal who he is to you, that you're about to hear his voice. I'm believing in God that there's some people today who are about to hear his voice, who are about to know who God is, who are about to experience who God is. Because when you hear from the spirit of God, you have the conviction that we read in Romans chapter eight, when he says the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. So as we pray, may we shift from third person to first person. May we shift from Isaac the man to Isaac the son of God. May we shift from whoever you are right now, the the, 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 the human being, to the son of God and to the daughter of God. Because this thing that God has put on you, he's already done. He's already accomplished it. It's already been completed. Now let's engage with him. Because when we come before him this way, God can move in powerful ways. Father, I ask right now, Lord, as we are engaging in this time, Lord God, I pray that just this simple revelation, Lord, would bring impartation that the simple revelation will bring about transformation. That, Lord, we would have a conviction even today, not by eloquent words, not by the preaching, but by this moment in prayer as your spirit pours out, Father. I pray that your children would reveal, would see what has been revealed, what has been done, what has been accomplished, that it has already been finished, that has already been accomplished by you, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we leave here, that, Lord, as all creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, that they be manifest right now, that they be manifest in our homes, manifest in our cities, manifest in our communities, that we would know that we've been called by your name. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen.